you can definitely make it more interesting, more entertaining, because that's kind of boring. So instead, you can tell an interesting story about your first deal, something funny that happened or unexpected that happened or interesting lesson that you learned. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the best ever conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode. And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, Buzzfeed listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, we air two podcast episodes that are generally part of a larger podcast series that focus on a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for a lot of these series and episodes, we offer a free document for you to download. These are free PDF how-to guides, PowerPoint presentation templates, Excel calculator templates, something for you to download for free that accompanies the content discussed in that series or episode. All those free documents, as well as the Previous Syndication School series episodes and series can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is going to be part two of a two-part series entitled Eight Tips to Nail Your Podcast Interview. So the last Syndication School episode, or yesterday, if you're listening to this currently, we went over tips one through four. And today we're going to finish up the eight with tips five through eight. So really quickly, I definitely recommend listening to part one, but just as a refresher, the four tips were number one, we talked about the best ever practices for the equipment that you're going to want to use when you're being interviewed on other people's podcasts. Obviously, the same equipment applies to your own podcast as well. Number two is to make sure you have a web presence prior to being interviewed on the other person's podcast so that when people listen to it, they have somewhere to go to find more information about you and ideally for you to capture their contact information once they've arrived at your web location. Number three 
is going to be some best of our practices for how to prepare for the interview. And then number four is going to be the best of our practices for what to do after the interview is over. So I go into a lot more details on those four in the previous part, part one. So definitely check that out. Again, today we're going to go over four more tips to nail your podcast interview. So overall tip number five is to make sure you determine before going into the podcast why people actually listen to this podcast. So always ask the host why people listen to their podcast. What does their audience want? What is their audience trying to get out of listening to this person's podcast? At the very latest, this needs to be done in the minutes before going live. But ideally, you're doing this a few days beforehand so that you have time to prepare. Because when you know why people are actually listening to the podcast, you know what you should and shouldn't talk about, as well as how to cater the conversation. So for example, people listen to Joe's podcast, to this podcast, because they want to hear the best ever advice that the guests have about their successful real estate career, but they want it in a short, no fluff format. So typically our shows are under 30 minutes, probably on average 20 to 25 minutes. So really short, concise, to the point, no fluff advice. And then specifically the best advice that they actually have for how they've been successful and how you can also be successful. So if I'm being interviewed on that type of podcast, then I'm going to make sure that I keep all my advice really concise and to the point. And I'm going to make sure that I've got an answer to the question, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Be able to answer follow-up questions on that and keep in mind the entire time that these are people who want to be as successful as me, supposing I'm a multi-million dollar real estate investor. So what's the best advice ever that applies to those types of people? On the other hand, you've got a podcast like Bigger Pockets, which is a little bit different. So the Bigger Pockets podcasts, people that listen to that are going to hear a casual, much longer and more conversational type chat about the failures, successes, motivations, and the lessons learned. So if you go to the Bigger Pockets podcast, that's essentially a summation of their description, a casual, longer form, more conversational chats about the failures, successes, motivations, and lessons learned from the guests. They also have a lightning round, but they don't have the money question like Joe has, and theirs are also much longer, you know, hour, hour and a half in length. So if I was being interviewed on that podcast, I would prepare entirely differently. I'd make sure that I had multiple stories to tell, multiple pieces of advice to tell, I have stories about failures, have stories about successes, but detailed stories on those because I had to talk for an hour, <laughs> talk about things that motivated me, long story about why I got started, maybe five or six lessons that I've learned so far. So I need a lot more information for those podcasts because listeners are there to hear a ton as opposed to Joe's are concise, to the point, here's everything you need to know and nothing else. Some people might also listen to a podcast for a specific niche. So they might be looking for niche specific advice. So for example, you've got Jake and Gino's Weird Barrel Profits Apartment Investing Podcast. And obviously by the title, the listeners really only care about apartment investing. Similarly, you've got someone like Kevin Bupp who has a mobile home park investing podcast. So the listeners wanna hear about mobile home park investing. So if I'm going on Jake and Gino's podcast, I'm not gonna talk about mobile homes or single family homes, I'm talking about apartments. If I'm gonna go on a mobile home podcast, I'm not gonna talk about apartments or single family homes or office centers or shopping malls or whatever. I'm gonna talk about mobile homes. So again, this seems pretty obvious, 
but you need to make sure that you know why the audience is listening and then make sure that everything you say is directed specifically toward that audience's needs and then avoiding any topics that they're probably not going to be interested in. So again, how do you figure this out? You just ask the host, why do people listen to your podcast? Then you can also get a pretty good idea of why people listen to the podcast by looking at the topics of some of the previous podcasts, as well as reading the description they have on their iTunes podcast page, because when they create the podcast, that was description they use to attract people and say, hey, this is what we're talking about. And so people that read the description and then listen to some of the podcasts realize that, hey, this is for me. So obviously the description and then what they've talked about on previous podcasts are going to give you a great idea of the reasons why people are actually listening. So that's number five. Number six is to make sure you have a call to action, which I briefly mentioned yesterday, but I did say I would elaborate on it in more detail in this episode. So at the conclusion of most podcasts that are interview format, the host is going to ask you, in this case, the interviewee to tell the listeners, to tell their listeners where they can learn more about you and your business. Or they're gonna do something along those lines, like ask you for a concluding statement. They might just say, oh, to wrap things up, do you got anything else to say to us or whatever? So you're gonna be allowed some sort of concluding statement on the majority of podcasts you're interviewed on. So at this point, whether it's them asking you about where they can find more about you or just to give a concluding statement, you wanna make sure that you have a prepared reply. Okay, you don't need to script it out, but just have an idea of what you're going to say. And this needs to include some sort of call to action. Ideally, the best ever practice would be to have a call to action where you're giving the viewers something for free. Action could be something as simple as just, hey, email me or, hey, go check out my website. But you're going to, you know, again, going back to the last episode, one of the benefits is you want to increase your followers because the more followers you have, the more potential investors you have, the more potential team members you can find, the more potential partners you can find. So... In order to maximize the conversion rate from the podcast, you're going to want to offer something for free for them to download. So you can ask them to send you an email to get this free thing. You can create a landing page where they sign up and they sign up for your newsletter and they get this free thing. But whatever it is, it should include sending them something for free and then capturing their email address. Those are kind of the two main important keys to your call to action. So, hey, I'm giving you something free and I want your email address for it. <laughs> Don't say it like that, but that's your goal. So whatever form the call to action is, however you're capturing their email address, whether it's them emailing you, a landing page is much better because they might look at other parts of your website as well. The free item then can be an ebook that you've written. It could be a blog post that goes into more depth on whatever topic you discussed. It could just be a free subscription to your newsletter. That's probably the most simple approach, but an ebook or some sort of document that goes into more detail on the episode is great because then you can have that document created. You can kind of hit some of the highlights of the document and then say, this is just a taste. If you want more information on what I talked about, gave you tips one through five, if you want tips six through 10, go to my website, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll send you the free 10 tips to nail your podcast interview. Another benefit besides just capturing their email addresses and again, increasing your followers, your newsletter list, is that you can actually determine the success or the failure of the interview because you're not gonna have analytics to the interview. So technically, I guess you could ask the interviewer, hey, it's been a week, how many views did my podcast get? But that really doesn't really matter. Alone, you also need to know how many views the other podcast interviews they've done have gotten to actually see if it was a hit or not. And you gotta know what their average viewers is. And I guess you could technically ask the interviewer for that, but they're probably busy and don't wanna give you all the information. 
So instead, you can use the email capturing process to determine how successful the interview was. So I got interviewed on the Bigger Pockets podcast and I had 10 email signups. And I got interviewed on Joe's podcast and I got 100 email signups. So obviously my content resonated a lot more with Joe's audience than the Bigger Pockets audience. Now you know what type of podcast to go on in the future so that you're maximizing that conversion rate. So that's number six, call to action. <laughs> number seven is going to be have prepared stories. So no matter what the format of the podcast is, you are going to resonate with the listeners the most if you're telling stories as opposed to just kind of going through a list of things, giving them stats. You can do that, but you also want to back them up with an interesting story to tell. So depending on the podcast, if I was going to Joe's podcast, maybe I'd make sure I had like three or four stories to tell. If I was going to Bigger Pockets podcast, I'd probably have like a list of 10 stories to tell. And then depending on which way the conversation goes, I can naturally bring up one of my prepared stories. You don't want to force a story in there. For example, maybe you're in apartment syndication and you're talking about how you found your first deal and you're like, oh, well, a really funny story. One time after I'd bought a deal and or maybe a story about you meeting a property management company or something completely random that is an interesting story for sure, but it has nothing to do with your first deal. So that's why you want to have multiple stories prepared so that you can naturally bring that story up because it's related to the question that was asked. So for example, as I said, if you're asked about your first deal, don't talk about how you met your property management company or talk about your job that you had before getting to real estate or talk about a deal that you sold, which is obvious. But if you've only got one story prepared and that's the one, well, you're going to bring it up eventually. But you're also going to want to make sure, as I said before, that you don't say something like, oh, well, I bought it for $100,000 and I put $50,000 into it. And then the value was $200,000. It was a solid deal. That's interesting. A little bit, but you can definitely make it more interesting, more entertaining, because that's kind of boring. So instead, you can tell an interesting story about your first deal, something funny that happened or unexpected that happened or an interesting lesson that you learned. So my go-to story, my bit is that I bought my first deal. I was super excited about getting into real estate. I was 23 years old, I think, just out of my work training. Out of all my friends, I was the only person that bought real estate, so I thought I was so cool. I went to the house, I was taking a bunch of selfies, to post on, on Instagram about buying my first house. And I just thought I was the coolest guy in the world. And my plan going into it was to start to do the renovations the day that I closed. So I closed on a Thursday. And my goal was to go over there, take the pictures, and then start pulling up carpets that night and then working through the weekend so that the next week the contractors could come in there and start doing their work. But of course, since I'm this cool guy, I was like, oh, I don't need to do that now. I'm gonna go out and celebrate how cool I am. So the weekend goes by, and this is in February in Ohio, so it's freezing. And then I show up to the house on Monday, ready to go with all my carpet removing tools. And I open the front door and I hear a very faint shh sound, like a whooshing sound. It kind of sounded like static. I was like, oh, that's weird. So I walk into the living room and I kind of start ripping up carpet and I'm just like, what is, what is that sound? That doesn't sound right. So I'm kind of like looking around for the source of it and I'm kind of walking around like playing like, you're getting hotter, you're getting hotter, you're getting colder, you're getting colder. And so I can start getting hotter as I approach the basement door and I open the basement door up and now it's a really loud whooshing sound, but I still can identify what it actually is. So I walk down the stairs and I turn because you're on the stairs and then behind the stairs is a bathroom. So at the last time I look and literally there's just Niagara Falls just pouring down out of the ceiling into the basement. 
and i freaking out at this point i don't even know how to turn the water off so I, i'm googling how to turn water off in your house i identify the master valve so i turn that and then all the water in the house turns off and one thing led to another we all got figured out but uh, what happened was is that my real estate agent and it's my first time buying a house. She told me to make sure I transfer the utilities into my name. So the word transfer to me meant that I need to transfer from their name to my name so that I'm paying. Because if I don't do that, then they're going to keep paying the utilities. And that's not fair. And then they'll come to me and ask for money. So I need to make sure I'm transferring beforehand. And I didn't. <laughs> and that means, as I know now, that the utilities actually get turned off because the owners will say, hey, we don't own this property anymore. We need to stop the utilities on this day. So they stopped. The heat turned off. It was freezing cold outside, so the pipes froze. And then it warmed up a little bit. The pipes thawed. The pipes burst while it was frozen. And the water had been pouring in the basement for, I don't know how long it was doing it, but my water bill was in like some insane number because it was all just pouring straight into the sewer. So that is a more interesting story to tell than just saying, well, I bought my first deal when I was 22. I bought it for $170,000 and I put 20 grand into it and then I rented it out for three years and I sold it. I can say that, but adding in that interesting story, I think it's interesting. Now, it was at the time, it was kind of depressing at the time, but now I think it's funny. So think of stories like that, a little funny things and or entertaining things you can add into your prepared story. So that's number seven, have prepared stories as opposed to just kind of running through facts about your deals. And then lastly, number eight is going to be lists. So give your advice in list form. So in addition to having your stories, you're going to want to also format your advice in the form of a list. People listen to podcasts and read blogs. You've got BuzzFeed, for example, 17 different ways to make a cupcake. People love lists. So whenever hosts ask you a question or whatever you're giving advice on a specific topic, make sure it's in list form. So eight tips to nail your podcast interview, or as I said before, 17 different ways to make a cupcake, as opposed to kind of just randomly talking about things and transitioning from one to the other without actually mentioning or transitioning. It's better to say number one is this, number two is this, number three is this, number four is this, and number one, here's a funny story for number two, here's a funny story for number three, here's a funny story, number four, here's a funny story. So for example, let's say they ask you about mistakes that you've made. You can say, well, it's a good question. Here's five mistakes that I made on that deal. So mistake number one was I forgot to put the utilities into my name. Here's a funny story about that. Number two is I didn't get a 203k loan. Instead, I invested all the money myself for the renovations. Here's a funny story about that. So not only is it going to be more entertaining and more engaging, but it also is going to help the listeners more easily understand what you're saying. Again, as opposed to your advice being all over the place. So those are the eight tips to nail your podcast interview. And being the best ever podcast, I'm going to give you a bonus tip. And actually, it's because I missed this in the outline in part one, and that is your bio. So whenever you are being introduced on a podcast, they're going to read off some biographical information about you so that the people that are listening know who they're listening to. And the host is going to likely ask for you to send them something before the interview that includes what you want them to read during this section. So some best ever practices for your bio that you send to them is to keep it to two paragraphs at most. You don't want it to be this super long in-depth bio because number one, it's gonna be wasting time that you could be using to discuss advice on the podcast. Plus you can just discuss things that you've left out later on in the podcast. Anyways, the bio should include facts about your business, 
and it should focus on how your specific background and your expertise and your business is going to be relevant and add value to the listeners. So you know what they want to hear. So what in your background can you leverage to display that you are someone that they should listen to and that someone that they should want to listen to? Then you're gonna to want to provide the host with a link to your website, ideally that landing page, so that they can learn more about you and your company. They probably will ask you for a headshot as well because they're going to want to make a nice little fancy design of them and then you and then the caption would be the title of the podcast. So make sure you've got a nice professional picture to send them and it's not a selfie of you at the bar or something, <laughs> which it might work on certain podcasts, but most likely not. And then lastly, you're going to want to provide them with your email address, your phone number, and then your username so they know who to send the Zoom invite to or they knew who to call on the Skype call and then anything else they ask for. So pretty short bonus tip, but just again, all these things are very similar. Just making sure that you're curating everything that you do to the specific audience. So for the bio, you want to make sure that your bio that's going to be read at the beginning of the podcast, it's going to be included in the show notes of the podcast is information that's relevant to the listeners and you know what they want to hear. So you know what you can put in your bio. Those are eight plus of the bonus tip for how to nail your podcast interview. As I mentioned on the last episode, we've got a full series about building a brand and a portion of that focuses on starting your own podcast and some best practices on that, but also a blog, a website, all the things that you need in order to successfully maximize your success, I guess, on someone else's podcast. So make sure you check that out as well and then download those free documents. And then of course, check out the other Syndication School episodes as well. All those are available at syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Best ever listeners, go to bec20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference bec20.com. What if you could earn 10,000 per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.